It's time for overtime. Stop what you're doing and listen. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines. From locals to the pros. With interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with the national champions. Hear from coaches to players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime. Now with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Welcome in to another week of overtime. I'm your host, Bert Ramin. Track me down on Twitter at any time at Bert ESPN. What a weekend across the sports world. A very ugly weekend for the NBA and college basketball. We'll fire up the debate cannons, get you set, and a ton of opinion coming your way today as we kick off another week of overtime. Thanks, as always, for being with us right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. I've got NSIC tournament tickets. The field is set. We'll break down the brackets later in the show. Also still to come today, first off in hour number one, we will recap the incredibly ugly weekend for the sport of basketball. Yes, we'll be talking about court storming today and why it needs to be tinkered with. It does not need to go away. But if you don't think it needs to be tinkered with at all, you are the problem. And I'll tell you why coming up here in about 20 minutes on the show. USD men's basketball head coach Eric Peterson comes on to recap a big win on Saturday. For his Yotes, we'll talk about that and much, much more. Coach joins us around 11.30 this morning. 11.45, we'll hit you with On This Day in Sports History, your weekly history lesson across the sports world that dates back to the 1800s today. Can't wait for that. Hour number two, headlines and highlights, Packers and Chiefs free agency roundup. Both of these teams have a lot of impending free agents. I'll give you the priorities for each. For you Chiefs fans out there, no surprise, Chris Jones, Legarius Sneed made the list. We'll tell you else who, who else is very important for the Kansas City Chiefs. And for the Green Bay Packers, will any of their big-name guys, Darnell Savage, Keyshawn Nixon, A.J. Dillon, Will any of those guys be back, and should any of those guys be back this offseason? Also coming your way in hour number two, we'll break down the NSIC brackets, let you know when the Augustana men and women will play. Same goes for the University of Sioux Falls Cougar men and women coming up for the NSIC tournament and your opportunity then to win some tickets. I got tickets here right in front of me for sessions ranging on Saturday and Sunday. Still have Monday tickets available. If you want to win big, all you got to do is call in at the correct time today, 1220, 1230-ish on today's program. 1230, we'll be talking with South Dakota State play-by-play broadcaster Tyler Merriam talking about the South Dakota State Jackrabbit men's basketball team. Might sprinkle in a few comments on the Jackrabbit football players that have an opportunity to showcase their skills at this week's NFL Combine out in Indianapolis. We know the three well. We'll diagram and talk about their careers and also what the big opportunity they have ahead of them could say about their ability to play at the next level. We'll see where they go in April's draft. And the Combine is certainly a place for players from big schools to small schools to foreign players and everything in between. It's a place to prove what you got. And if things go bad... You're not really too much worse for the wear, but if things go good, you can boost your draft stock in a hurry. And I think one quarterback out there, J.J. McCarthy, who's committed to throw at the combine, he's committed to test at the combine. I think he has a huge opportunity 
to be the weekend's biggest riser among the premium position in the sport. And again, the Minnesota Vikings might have their eye on J.J. McCarthy and others. McCarthy will throw and will test at the Combine this week. Caleb Williams will not be throwing at the Combine. We'll talk South Dakota State play-by-play broadcaster Tyler Merriam today around 1230 and hit you with the good, the bad, and the ugly to round out the show. First things first, what's a pretty fun weekend for Chicago Blackhawks fans? Not only did you get a jersey retirement of Chris Chelios, you had Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit come back home for a matchup against visiting Detroit. The issue, though, is that both Dabrinkit and Kane would score, and Patrick Kane, once the young phenom in the pride of Chicago netted the game winner for Detroit yesterday. In over the Red Wing line. Drops it back to Jones out in front. Moves in. Shoots. Save May. Rebound chance. And now the Wings have a break. Here is Patrick Kane. Owen Drama brings it in on a breakaway. Shoots. He scores. Oh, what a win for the Red Wings. Red Wings win at 3-2 in overtime. Chicago with the loss nearing 40 losses on the season. They're 15-39-5. Regardless of the outcome, pretty special day out in the Windy City yesterday for the Chicago Blackhawks and their fans. Other finals, Rangers lost to Columbus last night, 4-2 on the road. Arizona lost to Winnipeg in overtime. Here's the final puck score for the Jets. Now for Jersey, swings his way inside the zone, makes a move, cuts towards the net, shoots, it's stopped by Alibot. And then Winnipeg will start back at a two-on-one. Far side, Shapley, it's a three-on-one. Shapley across the line, dropped it for Morrissey, near side for Connor's shot, beats the hole! Audio there, courtesy of Power 97, Winnipeg 4, visiting Arizona 3, the Jets with the win, 36-15-5. and Lastly from yesterday in the National Hockey League, Nashville won in Anaheim by the final of 4-2, Tonight in the NHL, Senators at Capitals, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Islanders at Stars, 7 o'clock on the NHL Network. Other matchups, just four total across the league. Kings at Oilers at 8.30 on ESPN+. Plus. Bruins at Kraken, 9 o'clock also on ESPN+. Plus. College hockey from over the weekend. Pair of great games between the Alaska Anchorage Seawolves and your Augustana Vikings. Seawolves get the better of the Vikings on Friday night in overtime. Final score there, 6-5. to five, And they beat the Seawolves in Game 2 on Saturday night by the final of 3 to nothing. We'll be hearing from head coach Garrett Raboyne on the Friday edition of Overtime this week ahead of their next home matchup. It's Alaska Fairbanks rolling into town Friday at 7, Saturday at 6. More info, tickets, and schedule information. Go Augie. Dot com. NBA Finals from yesterday. Giannis goes for 30 points, 12 boards, and 9 assists in a 119-98 win for his Bucks over the 76ers. Elsewhere, Lakers fall in Phoenix 123-113. And Oklahoma City right back into a tie for first place in the Western Conference. Big win in Houston, 123-110. to Shea gives left corner home, good open. Strokes a three that's online and in there. Chitinga Thunder Money while well, is he clutch? Is he clutch? First rookie ever. 100-plus threes made in his rookie campaign, along with 100-plus blocks. History tonight in Houston. Chet Holmgren, 29 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. Final score, OKC 123, Houston 110. Thunderer 40 and 17. Elsewhere, Denver won in Golden State last night, 119 to 103. And Jokic and the whole crew contribute to the win. Rebound comes down to Nikola Jokic. Outlet pass off over to KCP to three. Boom! 
Denver leads it by 10 in the fourth quarter, less than seven minutes to go. Jokic, 32 points, 16 rebounds, and you heard one of his 16 assists there for a three for Contavious Caldwell Pope. Odyssey courtesy, audio courtesy of KKSC. Denver 119-103 winners on the road. Nuggets are 39 and 19. Lastly, Western Conference notable final. Sacramento won in LA against the Clippers yesterday, 123 to 107. And that tees us up nicely for your Western Conference standings. We'll be visiting these weekly at least. I'll try to remember to have them for you every single Monday. Currently in the Western Conference, two-way tie atop the conference. Minnesota split over the weekend. A loss to Milwaukee, a win over Brooklyn. Timberwolves are 40 and 17. Oklahoma City right there. Same record, 40 and 17. They're trailed by Denver. One and a half games back at 39 and 19. Two and a half games back are the Clippers at 37 and 19. And number five and number six right now, the Kings and the Suns play in teams seven through 10. Pelicans, Mavericks, Lakers, Warriors. And on the outside looking in, it's the Utah Jazz, the Houston Rockets, and then the three teams that I've already got a line through for their postseason chances, Memphis, Portland, and San Antonio to round out the standings in the Western Conference. Tonight in the NBA, Raptors at Pacers, 6 o'clock on NBA TV. Pistons at Knicks at 6.30. Nets at Grizzlies at 7. Heat at the Kings at 9 o'clock on NBA TV. Here's ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler on if the Kings can make a run this year. They're dangerous. They're good. On a given night, yes. And could they win a first-round series? Probably. I wouldn't bet on it based on the relative competition that they're going to face. And the Kings once again tonight home to the Heat. 9 o'clock on NBA TV. Men's basketball, wild to say the least over the weekend. Third-rated Purdue over Michigan, 84-76. And Marquette notches win number 21 of the season. They take care of business on their home floor against Xavier, 88-64. to Cam Jones, step back, three is. Good sweep, your 34 for the second straight game for Cam Jones. He's got 431 left. On is your audio courtesy of Steve True of Learfield. There elsewhere, 15th rated Creighton flying high after a big upset of their own within the past week. And they get clipped at St. John's, 80-66 to the final. St. John's Johnny's Day here at Madison Square Garden. The clock runs down. St. John's has been looking for that signature win. They get it this afternoon on a whiteout. St. John's defeats Creighton 80-66. to That's the final there. John Minko on the call of Learfield. Creighton, the 15th rated team in the country, suffers loss number 8 on the season. Blue Jays are 20-8. and eight. At the conclusion of the week. Elsewhere, Nebraska over Minnesota yesterday, 73-55. Huskers are 20-8, and 10-7 within Big Ten play. Back to Saturday, Oral Roberts and USD. Back and forth, they would go. And it was the Yotes with a one-point win. Boston Holt, the hero, 25 points, including the game winner late in the contest. 11-18, the new record for USD. They are 4-10 and in conference play. Elsewhere, South Dakota State takes care of business at Frost Arena at home in front of St. Thomas, 77-72. to Zeke Mayo, 23 points. And tonight in men's basketball, we got two ranked teams in action. 10th-ranked North Carolina at Chapel Hill is at home to Miami, 6 o'clock on ESPN. 11th-ranked Baylor at TCU, 8 o'clock start time on ESPN. And, of course, the debate of the day, the debate of the month, and the debate of the season thus far after we saw some court-storming issues with the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Ohio State Buckeyes earlier this year that ended up with Caitlin Clark taking a spill and falling to the floor. We also saw Kyle Filipowski of Duke get contacted and get uh, uh, have some injury concerns. 
Following an upset loss to Wake Forest on Saturday, court storming, should it stay or should it go? Here's college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg. I think it's important because you want to have you know that special moment for that for that to, for the student athletes and the, and the student body to share that moment together. Now, I mean, like to me, that it's it's a moment, it's a memorable moment, it's something that these you know students and players and and families and everyone else remember. But if you can't do it safely, you, you've got to eliminate it. That's Seth Greenberg. More on that coming up in the very next segment. I got a strong opinion on the future of Court Storm, and I'll share that with you, including as part of the Ugly Weekend in Basketball segment coming up immediately next after this coming break. Women's Basketball Finals, LSU over Tennessee 75-60. to Iowa hangs a century on Illinois 101-85. to Hawkeyes are 24-4. K-State upset down in Lawrence to Kansas 58-55. And South Carolina remained perfect yesterday with a 103-55. Win over Kentucky. Gamecocks are 27 and 0. Back to Saturday, South Dakota State over St. Thomas on the road, 97-63, and USD lost to Oral Roberts down in Tulsa, 77 to 63. The Oat women are 19 and 10, 8 and 6 in conference play. As for the Jacks, 22 and 5, and they remain a perfect 14 and 0 within the Summit League tonight in women's basketball. 11th rated Colorado visits 12th ranked UCLA, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. NFL. Draft late April from Detroit, 25th through the 27th. And how about NASCAR? If you missed out on the ending, you're going to want to hop on Twitter. You're going to want to hop on ESPN. Hop on something and check this out. A three-wide finish for the ages. Milliseconds between the top three cars. And officially... Daniel Suarez wins in Atlanta, followed by Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch. Suarez was to the outside, Blaney to the inside, and Busch sandwiched in the middle. A historically close finish for NASCAR. That was a lot of fun in Atlanta. Next up is Las Vegas Sunday, 2.30 broadcast start time on Fox. And, of course, PGA Tour final over the weekend. Jake Knapp wins at 19 under par and hangs on despite posting a 71 on the final day of action from the Mexico Open. Let's dive into your Bank headlines of the day now. South Dakota men's track and field edged out North Dakota State by one and a half points to capture back-to-back Summit League championship team titles inside the Shelly Illig indoor track and field facility. This marks the Yotes' fifth Summit League indoor title since joining the league back in 2012, and the Yotes tallied 165 points to the Bisons' 163 and a half. As for the South Dakota women, they finished as runner-up to NDSU. The Bison finished with 200 three and a half points to South Dakota's 192 and a half and the Oats have finished in the top two at the Summit League Indoor Championships for 11 straight years. Congratulations in order to both of those fine programs. The NCAA Championships are set for March 8th and 9th out in Boston while athletes finishing the weekend of the top 16 of their respective event qualify for the indoor meet. The Augustana baseball team opened up their season on Friday and dropped a Sunday contest to Regis 14-4 to split the opening series. Vikings open up the season at 2-2 two two overall and Regis several more games under their belt. They're 8-7-1. Augustana next travels to St. Joseph, Missouri for a Tuesday afternoon game against Missouri Western. First pitch for that one is slated for 3 o'clock in the afternoon. South Dakota State received pins from Tanner Cook and Bennett Berge as part of a seven-match winning streak to send its senior class and Frost Arena 
off in style with a 34-6 wrestling duel victory over North Dakota State before a crowd of greater than 2,200 yesterday afternoon. In retaining the Border Bell Traveling Trophy, the 11th-ranked Jackrabbits closed out the duel portion of their schedule with a 13-4 overall record, including a 7-2 mark against Big 12 Conference opponents. Up next, competition begins with the Big 12 Wrestling Championships, which will be held March 9th and 10th down in Tulsa. Continuing with your Relia Bank headlines of the day here for hour number one, the Augustana softball team had a shutout yesterday as the Vikings won by scores of four to nothing and three to nothing. The four nothing win came over Northwest Missouri State while the three nothing win was against the host Washburn at the Washburn Invitational. Haley Houston pitched the first shutout while Grace Glanzer tossed the second shutout to help Augustana to an eight and six record on the season. With the losses, Northwest Missouri State is six and seven, Washburn 13 and and four. Next up for Augie Softball, they'll play traditional doubleheaders on Sunday and Monday of this coming week, or excuse me, two weeks from now, March 10th and March 11th, as the Vikings travel to Springfield, Missouri to face Drury. As part of the same trip, Augie will also face Missouri Western on March 12th and Missouri Southern on March the 14th. Well, the season continues to get better for Iowa Hawkeyes guard Caitlin Clark as she got her 16th career triple-double yesterday and moved closer to more career scoring marks and had a spot on the Carver-Hawkeye Arena floor memorialized for her efforts. Coming off a loss on Thursday to Indiana, the fourth-rated Hawkeyes looked much more like themselves in a 101-85 win over Illinois at home in Iowa City. Clark had 24 points, 15 boards, and 10 assists. That's good for her fifth triple-double of the season and was one assist away from that Thursday in the loss in Bloomington. Iowa has won all 16 games in which Clark has had a triple-double and her career total is second among NCAA D1 women's or men's players behind Oregon's Sabrina Inescu, who had 26 triple-doubles in her career, ranging from 2016 to 2020. And before yesterday's matchup, a 22-Clark decal was affixed to the court in a spot where Clark hit a deep three-pointer on February 15th against Michigan that broke the NCAA women's basketball scoring record, which was previously held by Washington's Kelsey Plum. I didn't really see it until I came out to warm up, Clark said of the decal. I know because Coach Bluter had told me about it. It's cool. Honestly, it seems a bit further back than where I actually shot it from, but that's where they claim I shot it from. It's super special. That's something I'll always remember and a shot that I'll always remember. I'm thankful for this university and the athletic department that wanted to do that. They didn't have to. Great stuff from Caitlin Clark. And now for you Kansas City Chiefs fans out there, good news as a contract extension might be in the works for longtime head coach Andy Reid. Andy Reid confirmed that he will continue to coach shortly after leading the Chiefs to their second straight Super Bowl win and their bid for a third championship in a row will likely come with a new contract. According to Pro Football Talk at NBCSports.com, Tom Pelissero of NFL Media reports that Reid is expected to start talking with the team about a new contract in the coming weeks. Again, Andy Reid might be uh, getting an extension there in Kansas City, at least a new contract to hopefully keep him around as long as possible. It's franchise tag season, been pretty darn quiet across the National Football League, but we have one franchise tag recipient to tell you about right now. The Cincinnati Bengals have placed their franchise tag on wide receiver T. Higgins. Source told ESPN today the deadline for teams to use the tag is approaching on March the 5th. Back in January, quarterback Joe Burrow said he expected Higgins, who, like Burrow, was drafted in 2020, to be back with the team next year. 
Burrow said, it's no secret, our relationship. I expect T to be back. I think that's the sentiment in the locker room. We all want him back. We know what kind of player he is. We know what kind of person he is. He's what being a Bengal is all about. Higgins and Chase have provided Burrow with one of the top NFL wide receiver tandems. And Chase, who was drafted with the fifth overall pick in 2021, is also eligible for a contract extension this offseason. And the league-wide franchise tag amount for wide receivers is roughly $21.81 million. Higgins is just 25 years old. This could be a tag situation that they'll go ahead and apply the tag and then they'll try to rework a deal outside of the franchise tag. But for now, T. Higgins is not going anywhere, locked up to a one-year franchise tag deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Lastly here, as we round out your Relia Bank headlines of the day for hour number one, as he did after he was benched this past season, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson said he still hopes he can finish his career in Denver, but added, you also want to be in a place that wants you too. Wilson's latest comments came as part of a wide-ranging 84-minute interview with former Broncos wide receiver Brandon Marshall on his I Am Athlete podcast on Sunday night. Wilson addressed the uncertainty about his immediate NFL future as well as his desire to win two more Super Bowls during his career. He said, I've got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I hope it's in Denver. I hope I get to finish there. I committed there. I wanted to be there. I want to be there. He added, for me, it's about winning. Over the next two years, I want to win two Super Bowls. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. I love this city and everything else. But you also want to be in a place that wants you, too. And I don't think the Denver Broncos want Russell Wilson anymore. I think he will get cut in the next week or so in the National Football League. And he'll have an opportunity to succeed elsewhere. I don't think there's a ton of teams in the NFL right now that view Russell Wilson as a long-term starter or a starter at all. But I do think there's five or six or seven or eight teams out there that are willing to give him that opportunity based on pedigree alone. You look at the stats last year. They were pretty okay. They were very above average and a big improvement from the year before in the disaster under Nathaniel Hackett. Now, is Russell Wilson fixable? Can you get him back to that MVP consideration? Can you get him back to that early lightning-in-a-bottle start to his career that he had? I'm not so sure, but can he be consistent enough and good enough on a good team to take him on a deep playoff run? I certainly think so in the right situation. Those are your Reliabank headlines of the day. Reliabank.com for all of your banking needs. When we come back, we'll fire up the debate cannons with you. Ugly weekend in basketball, court storming. Should it stay or should it go? That and more next on Overtime. Overtime is in the middle of your workday. Unwrap your sandwich and get caught up with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you on the Monday edition of Overtime. Appreciate you tuning us in as always. ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. We'll be talking USD Coyote men's basketball here shortly with head coach Eric Peterson. Also still to come this hour on this day in sports history. But for now, it's opinion time and in a big way. First things first, if you missed out on the second race of the NASCAR season yesterday, you missed out on an absolute Classic As far as the finish goes, Daniel Suarez hoped that he wasn't certain that he was the winner after the closest finished ever at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Then came the photo evidence that Suarez edged Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch in a three-wide blur at the line to win a crash-filled NASCAR Cup Series race yesterday. 
The second career win in 253 cup races for Suarez set off a celebration that included a long series of congratulations from other drivers for the popular native of Monterrey, Mexico. It was a very special moment, said Suarez, who entered this contract year with his future seemingly uncertain with Trackhouse Racing. I was just hoping. I saw the tower and thought I was first. I thought I had it. But then they said they had to have the review. The review confirmed the first win for Suarez since June of 2022 at Sonoma. And it was his first ever victory on a speedway. And he said he's not satisfied after locking up a spot in the playoffs in only the second race of the year. Some people actually told me, now you can relax. You're in the playoffs. He said, hell no. My goal is to win more than one race. That is not relaxing here. The goal for you not to be surprised when 99 is in victory lane. Bush, who won Saturday's trucks race, moved to the middle between Blaney and Suarez to set up the dramatic finish. Blaney finished second, only .003 seconds behind. I encourage you, if you haven't seen it, it is an absolute treat. Those final three, four, five laps yesterday were very exciting and peak NASCAR racing just two races in to the season. Let's dive into basketball now. Ugly weekend across the board. First things first, though, for the Atlanta Hawks, they've got a big-time injury concern as they've lost all-star point guard Trey Young for at least four weeks with a torn ligament in his left pinky finger. The Hawks announced the injury on Sunday, and Young was hurt during Friday night's loss to Toronto and will have surgery tomorrow. At the hospital for special surgery in New York, the team said that Young will be evaluated in four weeks' time. The NBA had an ugly weekend. Miami Heat forward Jimmy Butler among five players that were suspended without pay for their roles in Friday night's on-court altercation with the Pelicans. Butler and Pelicans forward Najee Marshall were each suspended for one game for quote-unquote instigating and engaging in an on-court altercation. Pelicans guard Jose Alvarado and Heat center Thomas Bryant were also suspended three games each for leaving the bench area during the on-court altercation and fighting. And Miami forward Nikola Jovic was also suspended one game for leaving the bench. The altercation on Friday started after Pelicans forward Zion Williamson stole the ball from Butler and went up for a layup. Heat forward Kevin Love wrapped up Williamson, who later told reporters he thought the move was meant to protect him from a fall at the 11-19 mark of the fourth. Butler and Marshall got into it at that point and had to be separated on the court. Alvarado and Bryant met at the scorer's table and started fighting after the initial scuffle had been broken up. That was pretty darn ugly. But nothing was uglier than Wake Forest and Duke over the weekend. Wake did everything it needed on Saturday to take a major step towards earning a NCAA tournament bid, a moment that sent its celebrating fans sprinting onto the court as the clock hit zero. That moment of exuberance left Duke star Kyle Filipowski hobbled after a collision with a fan reigniting discussions about the dangers of court storming and overshadowing the afterglow of the Deeks' upset win over 8th-rated Duke. Now, if you haven't seen the video, check it out. But I will say this, and Greeny said this, so I'm paraphrasing. If you're one of the people that is physically and emotionally arguing the fact and the not fact that Kyle Filipowski or Caitlin Clark is somehow to blame in their respective collisions here, not only are you wrong, but I don't know what to tell you. Court storming is awesome. It's part of college sports. I think it's great. I do and, and have said in the past, if your team's ever been on the map or they've been on the map recently, probably shouldn't be uh, storming the court. And I know that's a little bit gatekeepery. But what I will say here, I said this after the Caitlin Clark debacle after their loss to Ohio State in Columbus. 
that somebody is going to get really hurt sometime soon. Kyle Filipowski, not really, really hurt, but certainly a very tremendously disappointing situation. I think that court storming should stay but how about we just do the common sense thing and set a minute-long timer, let the handshake line go through, let the upset team leave the floor, and then everybody's hunky-dory, have your party, have your fun, have your college basketball aftermath of a great upset. Makes too much sense to me to not get rid of court storming, but to alter the rules just a little bit to promote safety moving forward. Take the break. Back talking USD hoops next. Sometimes humorous, most of the time entertaining. This is Overtime with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Moving right along through hour number one on your Monday, February 26th edition of Overtime. Time now to talk about the USD Coyote men's basketball team. Got to win Last time out, Oral over Oral Roberts, 11 and 18, the new record, 4 and 10 within the Summit League. And joining us now on the ESPN hotline is head coach Eric Peterson of USD Coyote Men's Basketball. Coach, welcome back to the show. Seems like a pretty fun conclusion of the weekend for your team. Yeah, great to be here. And um, it's fun to actually, you know, we played a lot of close games oh, to, yeah. to finally get a win. Um, you know, the previous four losses, it was a one possession game, three possession, two possession, one possession. And to play in a close game like that and get a win, um, you know, it was obviously a good weekend for us. And again, let's talk about the uh, the game from start to finish, back and forth. And Boston Holt puts the icing on the cake with a game-winning bucket. Talk about his play this season, but also the confidence that you have to have to, to sink a bucket like that and the confidence that you have to have in him as a head coach. I would say his play, you know, it's been up and down a little bit. And a lot of people look at transfers when they're transferring down like, hey, you know, they're going to be really good for you. And, yeah, they will. It just takes some time because a lot of those kids, the reason they're transferring down is they, they're not getting the playing time at the higher level, right? So they don't have those experiences in games like that. Um, so it's been up and down a little bit. But I think if you look at the last five games, Boston's averaged over 20 points a game. And, you know, he really got going against Oral Roberts. Um, Caleb, our leading scorer, was in foul trouble in the first half, and Boston's kind of been a constant force for us. And, you know, he was playing well. He was getting to the rim, and, you know, we had a chance to run a last-second play for him. And, you know, there was, like, I think about seven seconds left or roughly. And you're looking at, like, is that too much time? But you want enough time where if you do miss that shot, we can get an offensive rebound or we can foul, right, and have more time to try to score. Um, so we ran kind of an ISO play for him to his left hand. And I'll never forget, I told our staff this, you know, obviously paying attention to him last year. I didn't know he was going to transfer, but, um, you know, just played for us at Utah and was watching the game against UCLA. And Coach Smith ran a, a play for him to get to his left hand against Yaquez, who, you know, is a lottery pick in the NBA draft. And he just went by him to his left hand and scored that thing. And they absolutely needed a bucket. I think they were down 10. And if they didn't score that possession, it would have been a rough game for him. But they got back in the game. And that, that play that they ran, uh, for Boston kind of got him back into it. And it was a very similar play call where we got him downhill to his left hand and he scored that thing. So uh, really proud of him. And then obviously we got to stop the last possession at Boston was guarding McBride, um, their best player, one of the best scorers in the Summit League, and did a really good job just walling up and making him try to score through him. And he missed it and we got the rebound. 
Talking USD men's basketball with head coach Eric Peterson. Coach, I got a broad scopes question for you as a basketball coach because I know the innovation is part of the game each and every year, each and every week. You probably see something new whether you're watching a game in person, watching it on your couch, or otherwise, or via film. I wanted to ask you about inbounds plays and those uh, game-winning shot situations. How often do you see something these days where you say, man, I want to look into that a little bit more. I want to see what they did, whether it's an inbounds play or a last-second shot that you kind of implement into your team's plans. If you get what I'm saying there, how often do you glean something from an opponent or on the TV or via scouting that you say, man, I really like that. Let's try that. Well, um, you know, everybody knows coaches just steal a lot of stuff from other teams. Right? Oh, yeah. You see oh, them yeah. on film. A lot of that stuff happens for me, Bert, is in the off season, right? Oh, yeah. When you're going, like, I'll, I'll constantly go on the road to recruit, and I'll ask, hey, who runs the best stuff in your league? The team runs really, really good stuff that we should go back and watch. So more of that stuff happens for me in the off season. Um, I'm not on social media a ton during the season, right? You can get really distracted being on social media. And, um, you know, when I have another game on, it's usually like a friend that's coaching. It's Coach Smith. It's Coach Raglan at Evansville. Uh, it's maybe uh, I got a good friend at Colorado State. It's those guys that are on TV, and they're they're on the TV, but I'm probably cutting our film, watching us or watching an opponent. So I'm not, I'm not sure how locked I am uh, to those games, how locked in I am to those games. Yeah, uh, but it happens all the time. For me, it's probably more in the off season. That's that a great that, that's a great answer. And I mean, that's kind of the time where you have a lot more time to sit and contemplate and watch these games and and go through that stuff. So I appreciate the candid answer. And by Colorado State having a pretty good season in their own right right now. Uh, when it comes to momentum this time of the year, I know your your team's looking to catch some lightning in the bottle and go on a run here. What can a win like you had on Saturday do for your team moving forward? Well, any win at this point really helps. I think you look at where we're at in the standings, like we could finish as high as seventh if we have a good week, uh, or we could finish last, right? So <clears throat> anytime you get that momentum, I think it's really, really good. Getting into this week, we play North Dakota State, who I think has won seven of their last ten games. They're playing really, really well. And uh, we caught UND last time. Uh, they were playing as good as anybody in the league, and we got to go to UND. So uh, we know we got a tough week ahead, but you know you just got to keep getting better. It sounds cliche, but you got to keep getting better because – um, you know, the Summit League tournament is going to happen. And I think if you looked at our league, anything can happen in that tournament. Now, it's a little bit tougher if you're in the 8-9 and you got to win four games in five days, but it can happen, right? Matchups Absolutely. are a huge, huge deal. And um, if you get the right matchups, anything can really happen. So uh, a lot of people have reached out to me like, hey, you know, I'm proud of your guys. They, they haven't, you know, just cashed it in or just folded it for the season. And it's like, no, we got a bunch of young dudes that want to win and they're figuring out how to win. I mean, we lose two games last week at Omaha at uh, St. Thomas, and we had a chance to win both those games. And if they're at home, honestly, we have a chance to win them, right? Or we probably do win them, but they were on the road. So you got to keep growing. You got to keep getting better. A lot of it is you go in the film room after a loss and you lose more than you win. It's, it's hard because are you showing film to, um, you know, you're not trying to bring your guys down, right? By showing them some of the clips that you need to show them, but you got to show them a little bit of both. You got to show them, Hey, this is why you didn't win the game. And these are the possessions that really matter. But these are some really good things that you guys did. If we continue to do those things, uh, we'll have a chance to beat anybody. But we we got to keep growing. we got to keep getting better. And it starts, um, obviously, in the film room. Very well said. Coming up on Thursday, it's senior night. North Dakota State comes down to Vermilion, wrapping up the regular season at North Dakota up in Grand Forks on Saturday at 1 p.m. Summit League Tournament begins a week from Friday, March the 8th through March the 12th, which is a Tuesday coach 
senior night. I know that there's uh, all sorts of red shirts, COVID year stuff mixed in, but who are the individuals that you guys will be celebrating coming up on Thursday night? Yeah, we just have one senior. It's Lahat Chun. Lahat played for us at Utah. And um, so we have a really young team that you know, I hope we can get back and keep growing with. Uh, but Lahat, really, really important guy to me. You know, I coached him at Utah. I was the big coach. Um, so we had a really good relationship. And I've been hard on him in Boston the last couple of weeks. And both those guys came from uh, Utah, obviously. Lahat had one stop on the, along the way at Central Florida. Um, and, you know, after the last game, I kind of just, Mahog and said, you guys know I love you, right? And like, coach, we know. <laughs> and Lahat kind of put his arm around me and goes, coach, like, I can't believe I didn't come here last year. Because he had the opportunity to come here last year and he chose Central Florida. He's like, I'm such an idiot for not coming here <laughs> and getting two years. And it's like, Lahat, we're so thankful that you gave us this year. I mean, he's top five in the country in double-doubles. Um, you know, he's one of the best rebounders in the country. He's number one in rebounding in our league. Um, he's been a huge presence for us inside, which we've needed. And he's been a great leader for our young guys. So very thankful to have him for one year. And uh, we're excited to honor him on Thursday. We hope everybody can come out um, and see him play one last time in the SCSE. And again, Thursday night, 7 o'clock the start time, Sanford Coyote Sports Center, Summit League Network on the TV, KAVHT 106.3 on the radio, also on that Varsity Network app. When it comes to some keys against the Bison that come into town on Thursday, uh, what are some things that come to mind? They were one of your first, I think they were the first actual matchup within the Summit League this year for you. They got the win up in Fargo 75, or you got the win, sorry, up in Fargo 75-66. What do you think about the Bison and the matchup coming up on Thursday? Yeah, it's going to be a really difficult matchup. Um, they've won two in a row, but like I said, they've won seven of their last ten, um, playing at a high level. They're a different team. We're a very different team. You know, they're a very good rebounding team. Have um, Andrew Morgan has played really well. He's a, their five man. Um, you know, single handedly beat UND in my opinion. Just played so well down the stretch for them. Um, you know, they have a lot of shooters around him, and you know, their bigs can really shoot as well. So uh, it'll be a tough matchup for us. It's you know, it's crazy. You play them the second to last game of the year, and you play them the first game of the year. It, I don't remember the last time something like that's happened. So it's been a really long time um, since we played them, but we expect them to be really physical. I think Dave does a, an excellent job coaching that group and, and his teams in general. I feel like they always um, come in the Summit League tournament. And last year, they they didn't they won one non conference game and made the championship game. They beat us in the first round, but wow. you know made the championship game of our tournament. And they're really really good. Um, at the end of February and March. It's just something he's probably been known for. He gets his teams playing at a high level. So we know it's going to be a, a huge challenge for us. We got to rebound. We got to guard the three. Uh, I thought we were great in the second half against Oral Roberts. I think we held them to about 40% from the field um, and less from three. And we got to have a tremendous defensive effort against these guys because we know they're playing really well. Senior night from Vermillion coming up Thursday, 7 p.m. It's North Dakota State. And then the regular season finale looms on Saturday, 1 o'clock up in Grand Forks against North Dakota. One of the teams at the top of the Summit League right now. That's our conversation with USD men's basketball head coach Eric Peterson. Coach, always appreciate the time. We'll be talking to you before too long right here in Sioux Falls. Thank you. Thank you. Go Yotes. All right, USD men's basketball head coach Eric Peterson, our guest. New record following the win over Oral Roberts, 11-18, and 4-10 and within conference play. And again, Thursday at 7 for senior night. The only senior on the roster, Lahut June, uh, going to be celebrated there 7 o'clock on Thursday night. Same for Coyote Sports Center, Summit League Network on the TV. And North Dakota on the road to round out the regular season. Just how big of an opportunity is that? 
finishing up the regular season against one of the teams and perhaps the team that will be playing for the opportunity to be the number one seed at the Summit League Tournament. If you're looking for a barometer as to where the Yotes are and where the Yotes are mentality-wise, heading into the Summit League Tournament, that regular season finale will be one to watch coming up on Saturday, 1 o'clock jump time from up in Grand Forks. That game broadcast on TV, Midco Sports 2, and on the Summit League Network. GoYotes.com for the latest there. Special thanks, as always, to head coach Eric Peterson for joining us on today's show. When we come back, it is time for your weekly history lesson on this day in sports history is next on the Monday edition of Overtime. more of Overtime, it's all on the podcast. Free with the app or online at ESPN Sioux Falls. Overtime with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO. Right back with you. It is the Monday edition of Overtime, ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Couple news and nugget items here before we dive in. To your history lesson uh, to kick off your week, the Miami Dolphins have released cornerback Xavier Howard as agent David Cantor confirmed on Friday. This was after the show yesterday on Friday as the team aims to shed salary and clear cap space. All Dolphins uh, was the first to report the news. The Dolphins' longest tenured player, Howard, represented a $25.9 million cap hit for the upcoming season. And cutting him after June 1st would save Miami $18.5 million next year while creating roughly $23 million in dead cap over the next two seasons. Releasing Howard prior to June 1st would save Miami at most $2.8 million with up to $30 million in dead cap. So it looks as though... The Miami Dolphins are cutting him, but it would be designated as a post-June 1st cut. Miami's second-round pick out of Baylor back in 2016. Howard is a former first-team All-Pro and a four-time Pro Bowler. And nobody, only Justin Simmons, one player, has more interceptions than Howard's 29 since 2016 in the National Football League. Howard, not the only veteran who did not return to the Dolphins as of Friday as Emmanuel Ogba. Pass rusher, defensive lineman will not be coming back. The team announced that they're releasing defensive end Emmanuel Ogba two years after signing him to a massive four-year, $65 million contract. Ogba signed with Miami in 2020 and posted 18 combined sacks over the 2020 and 2021. However, a triceps injury limited him to just nine games in 2022, and Ogba bounced back to five and a half sacks this past season. But his release will save the Dolphins $13.7 million this upcoming season. Despite those two moves that might move the needle a little bit, Miami Dolphins are still very much in cap hell right now, even with the ridiculous expansion in the salary cap up to $255 million per team. As for Eric Bieniemy, he's got a new home. I thought he was heading back to Kansas City, but he's got other plans. Former Washington Commanders offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy finalizing a two-year deal to join UCLA staff as the Bruins associate head coach and their offensive coordinator. 
The move marks a significant hire for new UCLA head coach Deshaun Foster, former NFL running back who intends to forge an NFL identity with the Bruins. It also marks a homecoming for Biennemi, who grew up in the area and was a Bruins assistant coach from 2003 to 2005, Southern California. Biennemi wrote in an email Saturday, I attended high school there. I started my career in the league here with the Chargers. It's obviously great to be back with the Bruins, where I was previously employed. Biennemi had opportunities to remain in the NFL, interviewed for the commander's head coaching job and two other offensive coordinator positions. The enemy said one NFL team offered him its assistant head coach and running backs job, but ultimately he took his time and found his way back to the school. So the enemy's journey continues. The guy that was interviewed for it feels like every single head coaching position under the sun in the off seasons of 2020. 2021 and 2022 he just has one head coaching op- option and opportunity to interview this offseason and that's with the Washington Commanders doesn't land that job is a consultant with the Chiefs with Super Bowl week and then back into college football he goes wishing all the best for the future of Eric Bieniemy. Now it's time for on this day in sports history we go back to 1935 to start out our events today as the New York Yankees released Babe Ruth on this day. He went on to sign with the Boston Braves 1960 on this day. USA's David Jenkins won an Olympic gold for men's figure skating 1967. We were talking NASCAR earlier in the show. Today on this day was the ninth Daytona 500 where Mario Andretti won his first and only NASCAR Grand National event. Only time a driver born outside the United States has ever won. The Great American Race, and again, we did not see that yesterday. We saw that a couple weeks ago, but Atlanta was won by Mexico native Daniel Suarez yesterday, so hopefully that changes in the future, but the ninth ever Daytona 500 wrapped up today in 1967. 1981 on this day, a combined 84 penalties, 406 minutes of penalty time were assessed for a brawl between the NHL's Minnesota and Boston. 1987 on this day, NBA's Michael Jordan scored 58 points in one game for a Chicago Bulls record. 1989, NFL's Dallas Cowboys let go of head coach Tom Landry after a 29-year career. They had some success elsewhere. Not a whole lot of success in the postseason since that mid-90s dynasty for the Dallas Cowboys. Today on this day in 2017 was the 59th Daytona 500. Kurt Busch wins after Kyle Larson runs out of gas on the last lap. And Jeffrey Earnhardt that day made NASCAR history. He's the first ever fourth generation driver to compete in the Great American Race. And last year on this day, memorable day for Caitlin Clark, 34 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists for the Iowa Hawkeyes in a win over Indiana. Birthdays on this day. I told you we were going way back earlier in the show. How about back to 1887 when Grover Cleveland, not the president, but Grover Cleveland Alexander, American Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher, World Series with the 1926 Chicago Cubs, also won the triple triple crown three times and won a six-time leader in NL wins and strikeouts, was born in Elba, Nebraska on this day in 1887, passed away in 1950. Other birthdays today to celebrate, Scott Turner, American politician, Texas House of Representatives 2013 to 2017, and former NFL cornerback with the Washington then Redskins, San Diego Chargers, and the Broncos was born on this day in Richardson, Texas back in 1972. Other birthdays, 1973 birthday today for Jenny Thompson, the American 
400-meter freestyle swimmer who won Olympic gold in 1992 and in 1996, was born in Danvers, Massachusetts today in 1973, and last but most certainly not least, one of the guys out there that I consider to be one of the best running backs ever, a do-it-all kind of back and somebody that never Never gets mentioned among the greats at the running back position in NFL history is celebrating a birthday today, 1973 birthday today for New Orleans, Louisiana native Marshall Falk, the American running back with the Indianapolis Colts, the St. Louis Rams. He was amazing during his career in the National Football League. In my opinion, one of the top 10, maybe top five running backs in NFL history all time. That's on this day in sports history. We take the break. We come back with your highlights and headlines. Packers and Chiefs free agency roundup. A look at the NSIC brackets for this weekend's NSIC tournament. And, of course, we'll be talking SDSU Jackrabbit men's basketball with play-by-play broadcaster Tyler Merriam, who joins us around 1230 on this Monday edition of Overtime. 